Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of our leaders. Today is Chof Tes Tammuz Tov Shin Pei Beis. And today is the 917th yard site of Rabbeinu HaKadosh Rashi, Reb Shloyme Yitzchaki, Rabban Shalkol Yisrael, the Rebbe of Klal Yisrael. Two years ago, I gave a shir, the Life and Torah of Rashi, and I am now posting it on Torah anytime in honor of the yard site. I just want to make one correction before the shear begins. And at the end of this year, I am going to add in some hisafas, some additions that were missing or left out from the shear. The correction that I want to make now before the shear begins is a correction that I made during the shear on the Ramban. Rashi's Rebbe was Rebbe Yaakov Bar Yoker, known as the Re Bar Yoker. The Re Bar Yoker, the Talmud of Rabbeinu Gershom or Agayla, as you will hear during the Shir. I said in the Shir that he has a Pirish on the Siddur, on Siddur Hatzvila. But that is not the Re Bar Yoker, Rashi's Rebbe. That Re Bar Yoker is Rebbe Yehuda Ben Yoker, the Rebbe of the Ramban. So I'd like to make that correction at the outset. And Bez Hashem, I hope you enjoy the shear. And after the shear is over, I will make some additions that I added in today in Tavshin Pei Beis. So do not turn off the shear until you hear the Torah Anytime message that you have just listened to a shear by Torah Anytime. Kol Tov, everyone. Hatzlach. Okay, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> we are continuing our series, The Life and Torah of Our Leaders, and today we're going to talk about Rashi. Today is Rashi's 915th yard site, Chavtes Tammuz 1105, he was Nifter, and if we think about it, without Rashi, how, how would our learning look? Learning of Shas, learning of Tanakh. Um, it would be a different world without Rashi. So let's learn a little bit about who Rashi was. Usually when I approach Rishonim, I'm a little bit uh, nervous because we're talking about 800, 900 years ago and um, information is not always so easy to come by. But um, Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of information about Rashi that is factual when it comes to so long ago, there's always a lot of legends and stories involved in many of the different personalities of the Rishonim, but um, there's still a lot of information about Rashi. So Rashi was born in about the year 1040, Tuf Tuf, which was the same year as the Petira of Rabbeinu Gershom or Hagayla. Rabbeinu Gershom, the leader of Ashkenazi Jewry, and Rashi's Rabbeim, as we'll see, were all Talmidim of Rabbeinu Gershem or Agayla. So Rashi was born the year that Rabbeinu Gershem um, was Nifter. Rashi's father was named Reb Yitzchak. That's why his name is Rashi, is Reb Shloimai Yitzchaki, because named after his father Yitzchak. Um, the... Um, the Chidah writes that there's a, people say that the reason Rashi, the first Rashi in Chumash begins, Amreb Yitzchak, that why does the Torah start with Bereshis, the Torah should start with the first mitzvah, Vachodesh Hazalochem. 
So there are those who say that Rashi's father was not a Talmud Chacham, and therefore Rashi wanted to give him covet and began his Pirush and Chumish quoting a question from his father. But the Chida writes that this is incorrect. Number one is that this Rabbi Yitzchak that Rashi is quoting is found in the Midrashim. Whoever said that Vartaira at that time didn't have access to the Midrashim, it might even be a Zayar as well, that quotes Rabbi Yitzchak in uh, that first Rashi in Chumash. So the Chidah says Rashi's father actually was a big Talmud Chacham, not like those who want to say different. And the truth is, in Mesech Zara and Daf Ayin Hei, Rashi actually quotes his father, and he says his father's Pshat, um, he likes better than Pirush Moiri than from his Rebbe's Pshat. So he obviously was not, uh, you know, was not uh, an Amaretz, if Rashi quotes him in Masech Davoi and at the same time likes his father's pshat better than his rabbeim. Where was Rashi born? That's uh, a matter of uh, debate and perhaps discussion. Some say he was born in Worms. Others say he was born in Troy, which is in France, where he, he for sure grew up there and lived there. And there's a third version that he was from a place called Lunil, in the south of France, it's like six hours south of Troy. Um, um, so there's the Chachme Lunil, if you're familiar with the Rambam had correspondence with the Chachme Lunil. Um, there are those who want to say, and, Ra- and it's quoted this way in different some places, that the name Rashi, the Yud, is not Yitzchaki after his father, is actually for the word Yarchi. It's quoted as Rabbeinu Shleima Yarchi ben Reb Yitzchak. Yarchi is a lashon of a moon. Um, lunil is like lunar, um, and that's from the same word as the moon. So that's why Rashi was called Yarchi, some want to say, because he was actually born in uh, Lunil. So that's a, a, a matter of debate. Rashi was a very big Yachsan. He was the 33rd generation from Rabbi Yechanan Asandler. And once you get to Rabbi Yechanan Asandler, you go back all the way to David HaMelech. So there are those nowadays who trace their, who trace their uh, lineage back to Rashi. Once you get back to Rashi, you have a straight shot back to David HaMelech. His mother was from a Cheshavah family. We don't mo- know much about his mother. Um, she was the sister of Rabbi Shimon HaGadol. Reb Shimon Hagaldo was the Rav of Magensia of Maine, of Mainz in Germany, was, and he was also a Talmud of Rabbeinu Gershon. Um, in Shabbos, Daf Peihei, Rashi writes, And I found a riot to this in the learning of Reb Shimon Hazaken, Achi Imi, my mother's brother, Mipi Rabbeinu Gershon Avi Agayla, from, that he learned from Rabbeinu Gershem or Agayla. So that's what Rashi's mother was a sister of Rabbi Shimon Agadol, um, who was a Talmud of Rabbeinu Gershem. It seems that Rashi's first Rebbe was his father in the city of Troy, where he grew up. When he got a little older, he went north to Germany, where the center of learning was at the time. And he went to learn by the Talmidei Rabbeinu Gershem, like we said, Rabbeinu Gershon was Nifter in, his, uh, in the year he was born. And Rashi was first in Mainz, and then he was in Worms. First in Magenzia, and then in Vermeiza. Um, as we'll talk about it later when we talk about his Rabbeim. But so first he was in Magenzia, that was the center. Rabbeinu Gershon, as we said, 
um, Rabbeinu Gershom was from Magencia. He's buried in, in Magencia, in Mainz. I was able to be Mamish just a year ago at his kever in Mainz. Pashtus, that is the oldest kever, known kever in Europe. If he was Nifter in 1040, so it's almost a thousand years old. That's the oldest known kever in Europe, Rabbeinu Gershom, Maragoyla. Um, so Rashi was obviously a Yegea Batayra, and he wasn't afraid to argue with his Rabbeim. In Sukkah Daf Mem, Rashi writes, I heard this from my Rabbeim, and when I was younger, I was matriach myself, I bothered myself, so Rashi is writing this in his Pirish much later in life, and he says, since I was young, I was trying to figure out how my Rabbeim's Pshat fits into the Gemara, according to their way, says Rashi, and I'm not able to. So Rashi was uh, very involved with um, his Rabbeim and asking them and, and trying to be Miyashiv their Pshatim in the Gemara. Um, in Sefer HaPardis, Sefer HaPardis is from the Talmide Rashi, and they quote a lot of things there from Rashi. So there's one story over there with one of his Rabbeim that he writes that I asked him, Kushus Amukais. He, he like bothered his Rabbi so much with very deep questions. He says, My Rabbi got angry at me and said, Stop bothering me with all your questions. So obviously, Lefim Ajay of the Rishainim, but again, you see Rashi. Um, um, putting a stress on how he learned by his Rabbeim. It appears that Rashi got married at the age of 15. The reason it appears this way is because at the age of 30, he, um, he already had a son-in-law. Um, there was a whole major debate about checking lungs in Europe, and Rashi against the other Rishonim, and at that point, he already has a responsa with his oldest son-in-law at the age of 30. So if he already had a son-in-law at the age of 30, make all the cheshbainas, it seems he got married at the age of 15. I saw somewhere that he, he, he was, while he was learning in the yeshivas of Germany, he was already married, he was there for 10 years in those yeshivas, um, and he only came home like three times a year um, to his wife. She was back, I guess, in Troy. Um, we'll get to, there's, there's not much known about Rashi's wife. Rashi had three daughters. Um, he had no sons. Rashi had three daughters. His oldest daughter was Yecheved. Yecheved was married to Rabbeinu Meir ben Reb Shmuel. Rabbeinu Meir ben Reb Shmuel is one of the Rishainim quoted from the Bali Ataisvis, Rashi's son-in-law. And we're more familiar with his four sons. His four sons, the first one being the Rashbam, Rabbeinu Shmuel ben Meir, um, Rabbeinu Tam, which is his name was Rabbeinu Yaakov, but they called him Tam, Ishtam, Yoshev, Ahalim. The Rivam, Rabbeinu Yitzchak ben Meir. Again, this is all, Rabbe, all Rabbeinu Meir, Rashi's son-in-law. And the fourth one is Rabbeinu Shlaimai ben Meir. He's, he's brought into Taisvis one time in Shas. In Psachim, Dav Kuf, Hei, Amad Aleph, Taisvis quotes Rabbeinu Shlaimai ben Meir. But the Rashbam, Rabbeinu Tam, and Rivam, those are very common names that we know. The Baliyat Taisvis, they were all Rashi's grandchildren from his, his oldest daughter, Yechevet. His second daughter was named Miriam, and she was married to the Rivan, Rabbi Yehuda ben Abnasin. 
the Rivon in Masechta Makis, Dav Yud Rashi was Nifter, and we'll get back to that at the end of the Shir, Rashi was Nifter writing his Pirush at Masechta Makis, and it says there in the parentheses in Rashi, Rabbeinu Gufay Tahar, that Rashi, his Guf was Tahar, V'yotzos nishmasei b'tahara, and he was nifter b'tahara, lo'y pirush yaiser, he didn't write any more pirushim, mikan ve'elech loshen talmidei Rabbi Yehuda b'rab And from here to the end of the Masechta is the loshen of his Talmud, Rabbi Yehuda ben Reb Nassen. Rabbi Yehuda ben Reb Nassen. Um, second. Rabbi Yehuda ben Reb Nassen, and... Um, so that's the Rivan, which is Rashi's son-in-law, actually, his second son-in-law. The third daughter, um, there's not so many details about her, and even what her name is, it's not clear. But when you continue, um, I'm, I didn't, I'm not going to speak about this, but when we continue into the next generations of, um, the, of this family, we find that most of Rashi's grandchildren and great-grandchildren and even nephews and things along the way are from the G'dayle Bale HaTaisvis that we know them. And in fact, you see very clearly that their Avaida in the world was not only to be Deirish V'chaiker, to investigate Shas and ask questions and answers, but they had a special um, they had a special Dagesh, a stress on understanding Rashi. And Rashi, the way he was mekatzer, Rashi wrote his, his pirish bikitzer, he didn't explain a lot, and he, a lot of times there were a Muslim, um, Rashi would say an extra letter, an extra word, and we see this from the Baliyat Taisvis, that this is what they made their life's mission, was to understand their Zaydas Pshat, to understand what Rashi said, whether they agreed or they did disagree, that's what... All that became what we now call today Taisvis. Rabbeinu Al-Khanan. This goes on and on and on. If you if you if you look do some research into the who the Baliyat Taisvis were, Kemat, all of them were Rashis, either direct um, grandchildren and great grandchildren or and their families. Um, so that is Rashi's family. Um, so that like gives us our whole basis for learning Rashi and Taisvis is really Mishpachas Rashi. So as we said, the Rashi learned in Germany for 10 years. And at that time, Rashi was, seemed to be very, very poor. He writes about himself, I was lacking bread, and I had this yoke on my shoulder that I needed to try to get some parnasa. And and this is how I served. This is how I served my Rabbeim. This is how I learned by my Rabbeim. Who were his Rabbeim? And this again, this puts our whole, if Rashi is our Rebbe, the Rebbe of Kalal Yisrael, so who was his Rebbeim? So his first Rebbe, when he went up to Magensia, to Mainz, his first Rebbe was Rabbeinu Yaakov Bar Yokar, the Re Bar Yokar, he was called. The Re Bar Yokar, Rashi quotes him numerous times in Shas, um, by name, and we'll see Rashi refers to him as Moiri, we'll see that in a moment. Um, the Rebbe Yaakar also has a pirush on um, 
Tfila on the Siddur, a lot of times he's quoted, I punked to have a Siddur from Reb Chaim Kanyevsky, I think, it's called Siach Yaakov, and he quotes his, the Rebar Yaker many times. He was a Talmud, as we said, of Rabbeinu Gershom Aragayla. He is buried in Mainz, not far from Rabbeinu Gershom's kever. Very, uh, it's not a big base Akvaris. He, his, his Matseva is still there as well. There's only a few Matsevas there, and uh, one of them is Rabbeinu Gershom, and one of them is the Rebar Yaker. Um, the Rashbam in Mesech Tepsachim. So now we know the Rashbam is Rashi's grandson. The Rashbam in Mesechim, Dav Kuf Yud Aleph writes, Kach Shoma Rabbeinu, meaning this is what Rashi heard, Me Rabboi, from his Rebbe, meaning from the Rebar Yakar. Verabboi, and who did the Rebar Yakar hear it from? Mipi Rabbeinu Gershom. So the Rashbam over there is setting up a Shalshelis here. He says, my grand, he doesn't say my grandfather, but he means my grandfather Rashi heard it from his Rebbe Rabbeinu Yaakov, who heard it from Rabbeinu Gershom. Rashi calls, sometimes he says Rebar Yakar, sometimes he calls him Rabbi Hazakein. In Sukkadaf Lamed Hay, he calls him Moiri Hazakein. So when Rashi refers, says that, he's referring to the Rebar Yakar. The Rebar Yakar, it seems, was a very big onav. Um, Rashi in, in Machzer Vitri, Machzer Vitri was also a Pirish um, Talmidim of Rashi. And he wrote that, he wrote that the Rebar Yakar. He acted as if he was like a doormat, an askufa, like a door, uh, uh, a ledge in front of a door, a doorstep. And we call it a doormat. Same idea. People walked all over him. Um, it seems that he didn't give up him so easily because he was such an anav. But Rashi felt that he had a big kesher, his primary rebbe. He was like kosher nafshay benafshay with the riba yakar. So much so that Rashi in a tshuva. Now, I just want to point out, like, Rashi in, in Chumash is for sure not a Paisik. You can't bring a Rai Lepsak Halacha. Many times Rashi actually brings um, a Mandamar, who's the way we don't paskin, because he feels more that that's how it works into Pshat. But Rashi has Chuvas, and there's many Psakim from Rashi. Um, so in one of the Chuvas of Rashi, Rashi writes, Ani nitlam bi'ilon gadol, I am hanging myself, meaning I'm relying on a very big tree, Rabbeinu Yaakov Vayakar. And then Rashi says a fascinating thing. So you would think, you would think that um, if the Rebar Yaakar, um, he was relying on him, it's because he heard a psak from him. Rashi says, I actually did not hear from him a psak like this. He says, from my understanding, this is what he would have said. So he, Rashi's relying on a psak from his Rebbe that he didn't even have a psak. He didn't even have a psak from. Um, because he... Um, because, but he says that I feel so kosher, this is what my Rebbe would have said. So that is the re, that is the, uh, the re bar yakar. Um, he quotes him in Sukkadaf Yud Dalit Amar Aleph. Rashi, very interesting Rashi over there. The Gemara quotes a, a Mishnah, Mesechta Taharois, and then the Gemara says Gufa, and quotes the Mishnah and starts talking about it. And Rashi says that I asked my Rebbe, this is not the Derech of the Gemara. Gufa, the word Gufa is usually when we quote an Amoira, we bring it in as a Raya or as a question, and then we want to actually 
delve into his words. So we say, Gufa, this is what he says. Rashi says, we don't say that by a Mishnah. A Mishnah, we say Gufa and go through the Mishnah. That's not the norm. So he says, I asked my Rebbe, and my Rebbe said, because since Taharis has no Gemara on it, so if the Gemara brings a Mishnah and then wants to go through it, the Gemara says Gufa. I don't know if there's anywhere else that the Gemara does that, but Rashi in Sukkah Yavdal, it says, I asked my Rebbe, and this is what my Rebbe answered. Um, in Chulin, Dafmem Vav Amud Beis, Rashi says, I once had a story, and I asked my Rebbe, the Rebar Yakar, really, and he was matter me to eat it over there, Shaila over there. Um, in Beya Davchav Dalit Amid Beis, Rashi writes over there is the whole Shaila about Kedesha Yasu. When a guy does a malacha for you on Yantif, and you have to wait after Yantif the amount of time it would take to accomplish that malacha, so you shouldn't get Hana. So the Zalmach Likus Rishainim, if Yantif Shani, the second night of Yantif, counts Bichdesha Yasu, or you have to wait till Matzah Yantif. So Rashi writes over there, I didn't merit to ask my Rebbe this question. And he says, you know why I didn't merit to ask him? In our place, we always had this minig that it was mutter. And it was pashut to me. After Rabbeinu Yaakov, the Rebar Yaakov, was nifter, we'll get to Rabbeinu Yitzchak Halevi, he was Rashi's third Rabbi, but Rashi says, I didn't even think it was a Shaila, so I never asked my Rebbe, everybody held it was Mutter. Then, after my Rebbe was nifter, so then I heard Rabbeinu Yitzchak Halevi said, it's Usser, but I didn't have my Rebbe, wasn't here anymore to ask. So that is the Rebbe, the Rashi's first Rebbe, his primary Rebbe, the Rebar Yakar, who was Nifter in the year 1064. Rashi was uh, 24 years old, um, 24 years old at the time. He, after the Rebar Yakar was Nifter, the next Rosh Hashiva in Mainz, in Magensia, was Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yehuda. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yehuda. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yehuda was a Talmud of Rabbeinu Gershom. He was also a Talmud of someone called Rabbeinu Eliezer Hagadol, who was also a Talmud of Rabbeinu Gershom. And um, this is not the Rabbi Yitzchak Halevi that Rashi just quoted. This is a different Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbeinu Yitzchak Bar Yehuda. Um, the Mordechai Masech de Shabbos writes about Rabbeinu Yitzchak Bar Yehuda, it seems he had some Kabbalahs from Rav Haigoin. So Rav Haigoin is already at Kufa before, right? But um, the Goinim, we're in the world of Rishonim here. But it says he was Mekal from Haigoin. And uh, I'm only bringing this Mardchai because he said the words in Rome. So I don't know how they, all, how they were in Rome, but that's what the Mardchai writes. Rashi himself in Shabbos of Sadi Be'i Aleph writes, so Rashi quotes the same Rabbeinu Yitzchak B'Shem Rav Haigain, just in the Mordechai it says he was mekabalit from him in Rome. So this is the, the, his second Rabbi. There was a lot of Shilas and Chuvas response throughout the years between Rashi and Rabbeinu Yitzchak Bar Yehuda. Taisus and Masechta Avayi Dezara, Dav Samach Tes Amid Beis writes, Rabbein Avol Rabbeinu Yitzchak Ben Yehuda Shalach Larashi. That in this Shail over there by by the the uh, uh, I think it's Neget barrels of 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 Yayinesech, if I remember correctly. So over there it says Rabbeinu Yitzchak Ben Yehuda sent Rashi the following. Um, 
In that Taisus, I don't think that it says that Rashi answered him, but in Chuvas Rashi, it says over there, Heishiv Rashi, Rabbein Yitzchak, Rabbein Yehuda, that Rashi answered him. So there was a lot of Chuvas back and forth between Rabbein Yitzchak, Bar Yehuda, um, and Rashi. In Shabbos, Daf Pei Hei Amad Beis, Rashi writes over there, um, he says, Chuvas Rabbein Yitzchak, Bar Yehuda, Shayshiva Begil Bopanim, Lo Yashu Be'enai. Rashi brings a, pshat, brings a pshat over there, and he had a lot of problems with the pshat in the Gemara. Recently we had in Dafyaim, it was Negea to um, how they stacked the Krushim on the, uh, on the wagons. And there's a Rashi over there, starts on the bottom of Amad Aleph, goes to the, to the top of the Amad Beis. And uh, Rashi says over there that Rabbi Yitzhak Behuda tried to be miyash of the pshat in three ways. Says Rashi, but I'm not happy with any of his pshatim. Um... So, after Rabbeinu Yitzhak Bar Yehuda, Rashi went to learn in Worms, in Vermeijah. And in Worms, he learned by Rabbeinu Yitzchak Halevi. That was the one we quoted before. The Rashi said that I heard Rabbeinu Yitzchak Halevi said it's Osir. He was also a Talmud of Rabbeinu Gershom. He was also a Talmud of Rabbelezer Hagadol. Um, so again, you see Rashi's whole Messiah here, all the Rabbeim, because these were, this was the Gedele Germany of the time, were all Tamidim of Rabbeinu Gershem Aragayla. Rashi calls him Skan Levi in certain places. Um, in Shabbos, Dafmem Amad Aleph, Rashi quotes Leviya, Lamid Vav Yud Hey. Um, on the side of the Gemara over there, if you look, someone wrote and said that it stands for um, Rabbeinu Yehuda Halevi. Um, but it's a mistake. It, it's actually Rabbeinu Yitzchak Halevi. It's not Rabbeinu Yehuda Halevi. It's Rabbeinu, I don't know if there was Rabbeinu Yehuda Halevi. But it's, this is referring to Rabbeinu Yitzchak Halevi, who was one of Rashi's um, Rabbeim. Um, there's one place in Shas that Rashi quotes all of his three Rabbeim in one shot. In Gitin Nafnun Tesamar Aleph, Rashi writes, Kach Amr Meiri Hazakein, which is the Rebar Yakar, Rabbi Yakar Bar Yakar, and then he writes, "Um Meiri Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yehuda said the following: Avol Mitalmidi Meiri Rabbi Yitzchak Halevi Shamati Mishmai." But from the Talmidim of Rabbi Yitzchak Halevi, I heard the following: um, the following um, Mishmai. So, so in that Rashi, Rashi quotes all three of his Rabbeim in one in one Rashi. Now Rashi was in Worms, as we said, he was learning by Rabbeinu Yitzchak Halevi. Um, it seems that Rashi at the same time had a Beis HaMedrash in Worms. Um, he had a Beis HaMedrash that he taught Torah there. So how do we know that? In the Minhagim of the city of Vermeijah, the Minhagim of that city, it says over there that most of the... Of the um, of the Anche Vermeiza, of the inhabitants of Vermeiza, Koivim Mizuzaisam Zekufais. There's a Machlaikis Rishainim in Mesechta Menachas how to place a Mizuz on your doorpost. So some Rishainim hold it's straight up, Zokov, straight up. Others hold it's actually laying down like this. We put ours, most people at least put it on a slant, a little bit of a slant. Because we yaitze both shitas that way. Sfardim actually put it straight up. In Worms, the minig was, everyone had a mezuzah straight up. 
And in the Minhagim it says, I heard from Rabbi Leo, I don't know what Kufa this was written in. So he says, I heard, because that's how Rashi paskined. It's a whole, if you look over there, Menachas, it's a Machlaikas Rashi and Taisas over there. And, um, and that's how Rashi had it. And it says over there in the in the in the in the Minhagim of Worms that that's how Rashi paskind, and Rashi had a besmedrish at that time in our kehila. Kasher adayin yeshkan besaknesa shal Rashi, and they write there still is a besaknesa shal Rashi. Uva oisay binyan haya besmedrashay. That's what it's written in the in the in the Minhagim of Worms that Rashi had a besaknesas. In the building of the Beis HaKnesses, he had a Beis HaMedrish. And that is, because of that, the people of Worms, Rashi must have paskined, that this is how you, um, this is how you have the Mezuzah. And the Chida also writes, Uvi'ir Vermaizah Yesh Kabbalah, there's a Kabbalah in Worms, that Rashi had a Beis HaMedrish, Samach to the Beis HaKnesses. So if you go now to Worms, again, I was in Worms last year, almost a year ago, and, um, and there's a shul there called Rashi Shul, and um, and off the shul on the side is a little besmedrish, a little room. They claim that's where Rashi's besmedrish is. There's a big wooden tall chair there. They claim that was Rashi's chair. Now you have to realize this is almost a thousand years ago. Um, the basement, the shul was for sure destroyed during the war and other times it was rebuilt. So again, when you get to legends and things like that of a thousand years ago, it's hard to to uh, to want to know what's true and what's not true. But this this seems to be documented in the in the in the Mesorah of Worms that Rashi had a base Hamedrish there and he taught Torah. And in fact, that's why the mezuzahs and worms are in this direction, straight up Kashitas Rashi. Um, after 10 years, Rashi went back to France, to his hometown of Troy, and he, has, he, had, he, and he established a yeshiva there called Ga'in Yaakov. And they came from all over Europe to learn in Rashi's yeshiva. And in fact, Rashi, numerous times in Shas, quote, translates words into other languages. So normally he translates it into French, which makes sense, because he was in France. But in other places, Rashi also translates it into other languages. I don't know why he chose to translate it um, like that in different places, but the fact that he knew all these other languages we could conjure that it's because he had Talmudim from all over Europe. He has one place he, he translates to Lushen Kenan, Latin, Russia, Parsi, Roimi, Aravi, Yavani, all different types of languages he translates words into. Um, Rashi's yeshiva, like I said, brought many Talmudim from all over Europe. In 1096 was the beginning of the First Crusades, and... Um, that destroyed the Rhineland, which was Mainz and, and Worms and, and Spire, that whole area where all the Talmud Rabbeinu Gershom and all of his, um, and the yeshivas of, of all those Talmudim were totally destroyed by the Crusades. So at that time, Rashi's yeshiva even became more prominent because it was really now one of the biggest and only yeshivas in, in, in the area. Um, Rashi wrote his Pirish on Tanakh, for sure on Chumash. Most of Nach as well, Divrayamim could be, is not Rashi, maybe one or two other of the, of the um, Tanakh are not. Um, but Rashi wrote his Pirish on Tanakh. The Chida says that I heard from Pekadosh Rav Muflug. He doesn't say who it's from. 
Shekibo Mirabai, that Rashi fasted 613 fasts before he wrote his Pirish on Chumash. And um, Rabbeinu Tam, his, his grandson, this is all the words of the Chida, said that what Rashi was, a, the, the Pirish Rashi wrote on Shas, Rabbeinu Tam says, I could do as well. But what he wrote on Chumash, I'm not able to. That's not even in my power to, to write such a thing. And um, the Chidah continues, and he saw in a Kabbalah Sefer that Rashi's Pirish was written al Pisait. Everything about Rashi's Pirish is full of Ramazim and Kabbalah and secrets of, of Torah. And he writes that there's Diviyesh Vidvarav Razin Elohim, great secrets. And that's one of the reasons that Rashi fasted so many fasts, 613 fasts, because he wasn't just explaining the Chumash, there were secrets of the Torah written in there. Um, what's, what's fascinating is that, you know, it's so Pashat Rashi. Uh, a first grader could learn it, uh, an adult could learn it, uh, uh, the God of Adar could learn it, and, 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 and a Makubal could learn it, and he's all finding in Rashi. You know, in Torah we know that's true, but even in Rashi, Rashi's Pirish was also written that way, um, and uh, that's Rashi's Pirish and, and, and Chumash. Rashi's Pirish on the Gemara, so the Chidah says that Rashi actually had three Madurais, three editions of his Pirish, and we have the third and final edition of his Pirish. Um, now, obviously, what was going on was Rashi kept on learning, and he kept on correcting, and being Magia, and that's how the different versions came out. Um, the Chidah writes that Rashi was very medaktik bilashoinoi, sheromaz kamal chidushim bishinu ois. He was merame's many chidushim in one one letter. One letter of Rashi is, so you know, sometimes you think to yourself, the Rishonim are medayik, the Achroinim are medayik, one letter of Rashi. Yes, Rashi put into one letter chidushim, and that's what the Balei HaToysvis, his grandchildren, were out to understand all of those chidushim. Now, there, the Bali Taisvis had all the versions of Rashi. And that's why you'll find in Taisvis sometimes he says, sometimes he calls it Pirushim Rishonim, sometimes he calls him Pirushim Acharonim, sometimes he calls it Pirushim Acherim, sometimes he calls it Madura Achas, sometimes he calls it Madura Basra. So Taisvis had different versions of Rashi. And in fact, there were times Rashi was Chayzer. He retracted from things he said. In Taisis in Bavakama, Davchaf Gimel Amid Beis, so over there, Taisis brings and he says Rashi in his first Pirush said the following, Rashi and Rashi himself retracted. But the interesting thing is that in our Rashi, we don't have the retracted version. We have the original version that Taisvis had. And this is why sometimes also you'll find that Taisvis says a Rashi that we don't have. And in fact, even more than that, I want to point out, and this is, uh, I, I was Mikalbo from my Rebbe, our Rebbe, Rebbe Greensman, also learned, was Mikal from Rebrevda. Rebrevda always used to say that when Rashi, when Taisus quotes a Rashi, go look up the Rashi, because the Rashi that we have and the Rashi Taisus had might be different Rashis. Now, what does it mean it's different Rashis? A word might be different. A letter might be different. It might have been from a different Madura. Rashi might have corrected something. And it makes all the difference in understanding the Taisis' question and answering what Rashi really held. And um, you see the Baliat Taisis themselves really understood that. And Rashi was always correcting. As we said before, 
In 1096 was the Crusades, and Rashi was very heartbroken. This was his whole life. His Messiris HaKabalah, his yeshivas, his Rabbeim, they were, they were destroyed in the, in, the, in the Crusades. And Rashi cried tears, tears over them. And he wrote piyutim. He wrote piyutim lamenting the, uh, the, the, the Gedalim and the Torah, those who were killed in the Crusades. And these are, we have, we have a kina on, um, on, on Tishabov, on Tishabov for these three cities. Um, um, Magensia and Vermeijah and, and Shpira, Spire, Mains and Worms, that there's actually four or five kinais that we talk about the, the Crusades in the year Tatnu, which is 1096. That's when the Avarachamim prayer was composed, that, that is, we say on Shabbos, were for the Crusades of Tatnu of 1096. Um, Rashi, in his Pirush, actually writes his Merames to the Tkufa that Kla Yisrael was going in. In Mishle, Rashi writes, Yisrael, Morei Nefesh Begolus, were bitter of heart in our exile, V'nerogim al-Kiddush Hashem, were being killed al-Kiddush Hashem. In Tehillim, Ayin Gimel, Rashi says also, Miboiker leboiker mischashes saras chadoshes. From day to day, there's new saras coming every day. Um, in Tehillim uh, Tzadi, also Rashi says, maybe Tzadi Dalit, Rashi says, In all the Tzaras that's come to us in these days, in Tehillim Ayin Zayin, Rashi says over there, interesting thing, Rashi is Mefarish the Pasuk, he says, like a person who wakes up from his sleep, and he's, he's able to think straight, because he's all rested. Rashi says, we're not like that klal, uh, we're not in them waking up in the morning. We're still in the middle of the night of Galas. that I see and he says, he says, my 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 heart is like clinging from it. Um, so and, and I'm not able to think. He writes. So so Rashi points it out over there. In Yeshaya Chavav, Rashi writes, Roim Anutsaras Mischadshes. We see so many new tsaras. Usvuramanu Shehem Mine Simani Yeshua Ugula, and we think these are the signs of the Geula. Levishanu Muftachim Ligal Mitachzuka Vitzara. But Rashi says it hasn't happened. We didn't get the, the Yeshua yet. It hasn't happened yet. So this was the year 1096, towards the end of Rashi's life. In 1104, Rashi, towards the end of his life, he was 64 years old, he writes in a tshuva, my, 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 my strength is weak, and my mouth is, is mute, from relating all of the calamities that come, have been coming on me, wave after wave, I'm not able to write. He's writing a tshuva to someone, he's saying, I'm not really able to write anymore. And in the next year, in 1105, Tuf Tuf Samachai, of um, the fourth of, of, of Dalit Alafim, Rashi was Nifter. In Mesech Tamakis, Yotasam and Beis, we, we quoted this before, his son-in-law, the Rivan, writes, Rabbeinu Gufay Tahar, V'yotza Nishmasi B'Tahara, Mikan V'edach Loshin Talmidah Rabbi Yehuda B'Rab So the Chidah learns from these words, that why did the Rivan write, Rabbeinu Gufay Tahar, V'yotza Nishmasi B'Tahara, Rashi, on the day he was being nift, the day he was Nifter, was still writing his Pirish HaMesech Tamakis, and the last word he wrote was Tahar. Just like 
Yatzah Nishmasi B'Tahara, you find by the Tanoim, like that, <coughs> it's brought down in the Gemara. So too the Rivan was saying that Rashi Yatzah Nishmasi B'Tahara, with the word Tahar. If you go look at the Rashi right before these words, so in that Rashi there is a word Tahira or Tahar. Um, it seems that the Rivan then must have finished off Rashi's thought with an extra few words. Because the last word of the Rashi is not Tar. But in that Rashi is the word Tar, and the Rivan is telling us that that was the last word Rashi wrote, Gufay Tar, B'Tahara. He was Nifter in Troy. You would think logically he was buried in Troy. However, there seems to be some very uh, conf- a lot of confusion about where his 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 burial place is, and Adayemazeh nobody knows where it is. Um, the old cemetery in Troy, I was never there, but I did some research into it. Um, they recently found was like in like where there's a town square. No buildings were built on top of it. It's in front of some type of concert hall, maybe or something. And um, they put up recently a sign that this under here lies the old cemetery, cemetery of Troy. Assuming that Rashi was buried in that base Akvaris, so somewhere over there is Rashi's kever. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the city over there put up some type of fancy artistic monument to Rashi on that, on that place. But, you know, that's, that's meaningless to us. Um, the Shaila Itzichar, a place where uh, Rishayinim were buried. The question if Rashi was buried there as well. However, and the bottom line is, Rashi is still alive with us every single day. For every person in Klai Yisrael, we open up a Gemara, we open up a Chumash. Rashi, Mipivan Uchayim, and with all of those, his Einiklach, the Valiataisvis, and all of the Rishayinim, like the Ramban and others, they base their Pshat and Rashi. So much Tairas, all, Bishusai of this Yid. This holy, holy Jew, Rabbi Shlomoy ben Rabbi Yitzchak, Rashi HaKadosh, and uh, today on his yard site, Schusa Yogin Aleinu, a person who lived through so many tsaras, was Nifter, Chavtes Tamuz, Mamish Erev of the Nine Days, and uh, we should be Zaycha, the Rashi should be a Melitz for us. Let's take out a Chumash, let's take out a Gemara, learn a Shtika Rashi today, for our own schos, and we should talk a bizoicha to see Yeshua's Bikarit. Hope Have you enjoyed the Shir, the Life and Torah of Rashi. I just want to make two additions, or a couple of additions, I should say. Um, number one is that when we talk about Rashi's Pirush and Chumash, and Tanakh, or specifically on Chumash, so there's a very interesting Rashbam, which I didn't say in the Shir. The Rashbam is in Parshas Vayeshev. And the Rashbam gives a little bit of a hakdama and explanation of why he wrote his Pirish. And his basic idea is that there's a concept of Ein Mikra Yoytsei There's a concept of Pashat Pshat in the Pasuk. We know Chazal make Jerashas in a Pasuk. But there's also the simple understanding of a Pasuk. And he says the Rishayni Mitai Chasidusam, they are usually go with the Drashais Shein Iker. Umitaich Kach, they're not accustomed in Pshutai Shal Mikra into delving into the depth, the Oimek of Pshutai Shal Mikra. So he says, he says, Vigam Rabbeinu Shloyme Avi Imi, Rabbeinu Shloymai. My mother's father, Meir Eini Hagoyl, Rashi, my grandfather, Shapirish Teira Nevi'um Uksuvim, Nosan Leiv Lefarish Pshutay Shal Mikra, he 
put his heart to explain the Pasha Pshat in the Pasuk, and we know Rashi does explain Pshat. However, from the next few lines of the Rashbam, it seems that even he wasn't so happy with Rashi, that Rashi often also goes with the drush of Chazal. Because he writes, V'afani Shmuel ben Reb Meir Chosnoi. I, the Rashbam, Shmuel, the son of Meir, the son-in-law of Rashi, Nisvakachti imoyulafanov. I argued with him and in front of him. What did they argue about? Vahaydali, and he admitted to me. Shilu Hayulai Pnai, if he would have time, if he would have had time, Hayutsarak Lasai's Pirusha Machairim, Lafia Pashtus, Hamishadshim Bikhoyim. He could have made or it was necessary for him to make new Pirushim based on the Pashib Shat that is being Mishadish Bikhoyim. So it sounds like the Rajbam would argue with Rashi and say that his Pirush and Chumish was not a hundred percent pshutay shel mikra, and that's why the Rashbam himself is very into lefip shat or explaining the pasuk shat, even when it's keneged drushes of Chazal. Often he explains the pshat against the way Chazal says. And if you want to understand this in depth, Rav Schwab in his sefer on Chumish Mayan Beis Hasheva. In the end of Parsha's boy, by Tefillin over there, he brings this Rashbam and he gives a Das Torah to understand the concept of Pshutoy Shal Mikra standing on its own without delving into Drasha's Chazal. But this is just an interesting Rashbam where Rashi seems to admit at the end of his life that if he would have had time, he should have made another Pshat or other Pirushim based on the Pasha Pshat. Um, <clears throat> two things that I received feedback from people of why I did not mention in the shir, two legends about Rashi, and the truth is, like I mentioned numerous times in the shir, I try to stay away from legends, either people know the legends, it's very hard to substantiate the legends, but people had this, uh, Taina, how come I didn't say it, so now as a Hisafa to the shir, I'm going to add in the two legends about Rashi. One of them is that when Rashi's mother was expecting him and she was walking in the streets of Worms. Now, as we said in the share, it's not so posh that Rashi's mother was ever in Worms expecting Rashi. We don't know where Rashi was born. But assuming that she was, and that's how the legend goes, and it was a very tight street, the Yudengas, very tight street the Jewish uh, in the Jewish quarter, and a nobleman was coming with his carriage and there was no room for her and she was about to be trampled and she squeezed herself up against the wall, and the wall um, full, um, bent inwards, and there's this indentation there that is supposed to be how she was saved, and Rashi was saved for Klau Yisrael. Um, this is a legend. Number one, we don't even know if he, she was there. Um, you could see this indentation on the side of Rashi's shul in, in, um, in Worms today. Um, obviously, it's not the original wall because the shul was destroyed a few times, as we said, and it was rebuilt, but it was rebuilt, I guess, in the way that it was. So it happens to be in the shul that Rashi will eventually teach Tyra and called Rashi's shul. That's where this uh, miracle happened, that the wall was indented um, in order to save Rashi. That's legend number one that they say about Rashi's mother. And legend number two is another um, place to see if you go to the city of Worms. One of the gates into the Jewish quarter, or the Jewish ghetto, um, was surrounded by uh, by a wall, 
And one of the gates is called Rashi's Gate. It's engraved onto it, Rashi's Tar, I think. It says in, uh, I guess, in, in German. And um, the legend is that, that when one of the big crusaders was going to, um, to Eretz Yisrael, to Yerushalayim, to liberate Jerusalem from the Muslims, that's what the Crusades, uh, that's what the Crusades were all about. Um, so he went to Rashi, so to speak, to find out the future. Um, and Rashi told him that he's not going to return with all of his uh, troops. He's only going to return with four um, horsemen. And the uh, crusader was uh, sort of making fun of him. He's going with hundreds and hundreds of troops. Um, I think Rashi did tell him he would be victorious, but still he wouldn't come back with all of his horsemen. And Kachava, even though he was victorious, it seems, however, on the way back, many of them got killed. And as he was, Rashi had told him, you're going to come back only with three horsemen. And as he was coming back, he was coming back with four horsemen. And he was saying to himself, as much as Rashi was right, he wasn't 100% right, because there's four of us. And on the way through the gate, all of a sudden, a big stone fell out of the wall and killed one of the horsemen and only three actually entered the city and that's why that was became known as Rashi's Gate because of this prophecy and miracle so to speak that happened based on what Rashi said was going to happen again this is another legend I didn't find anywhere in Rashi's Ksavim or anywhere that truly substantiates it but this is a legend the two legends um, about Rashi that uh, different things that happened to him his mother and uh, the gate, both of these you could see if you visit the city of Worms. Um, either way, we don't necessarily need miracles to verify who Rashi is. We could open up a Chumash, we can open up a Gemara, and we'd see who Rabbeinu Rashi HaKadosh is. Schusa Yogan Aleinu Ve'al Kol Yisrael. Kol Tov, everyone.